The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another program, Afternoons with Mike, right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. On the line with me, Eric Treen is Senior Counsel at Storzer and Associates in Washington, D.C. He's also an adjunct professor at the Catholic University of America, Columbus School of Law. And my goodness, he's done a lot of studying. He's done a lot of work. He has been special counsel for religious discrimination, and he's worked a lot on issues, all things having to do with justice. And it's a real honor to have you here. You came highly recommended, Eric, from J.C. Derrick, a good friend of mine and colleague with Main Street Daily News in Gainesville. Welcome to The Shepherd, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be here, Mike. Well, it's really great to talk to somebody who I believe not only is qualified, and (laughs) we're having a lot of people that seemingly are in positions of leadership in this nation, Eric, that would not quite pass the muster of what I think is that same level of qualification that you have brought to the table here. This has got to be for you as uh, much education as you've invested with your experience, this has got to be a weird time, right? No, it really is. Uh, I got involved. I've been interested in religious liberty issues since I was in uh, uh, law school in the early 90s. And it's changed quite a bit where, uh, you know, originally there was a lot of consensus on the importance of, of religious liberty for all. And, you know, in recent years, that consensus has started to break down as more and more people are either pulling away from the church. That's part of it. But the the the, the real thing that's come up that, that's quite was quite unexpected was the degree to which um, the LGBT issue has really uh, uh, disrupted all the coalitions on religious liberty, where groups from the right and the left used to be. Uh, joined on some basic principles. Once you throw in this countervailing interest of sexual privacy and so forth, uh, religious liberty for many goes out the window, and it, it, it's 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 so it's a very tumultuous time in the the history of religious freedom in America. It really is, and you know, I remember a couple of years ago. Now it's been several years uh, when in Gainesville, and we are on. The air in that city. I was a uh, pastor in Gainesville, and we were working against a, um, a, a what was being put out there as a new ordinance in the city of Gainesville. It was not for all of the county, but in the city of Gainesville, where it was one of these restroom uh, issues. To where if you basically the, this is the way what it ended up breaking down as if you woke up that morning and you felt like you identified as a woman, but you were a biological male, you were free to use whatever restroom you wanted to go into. And at that time it was, it was, well, it was unheard of to most of us. And yet 
even in the statistics, Eric, that were given about the people. And I, I really, for those that were in confusion about themselves, I, I really, it's not like I don't have a heart for that at all, but it was in the fraction of, of a percent of people affected by that. And yet they were willing to change all law effective uh, across the board for all citizens to meet that small percentage of people who were affected by that uh, that condition of of confusion nowadays yep. if you hear this whole thing spelled out by people of all sorts of law it's as if 5 out of 7 people might be in that condition and it, it's crazy i mean what what has changed from your standpoint yeah, well, a lot of things have changed. If you go back to 1993, Congress passed unanimously, near unanimously, I think there was one dissenter, and uh, President Clinton signed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which raised a high bar for government when it was going to impose a law that would, would create a substantial burden on religious exercise. Um, and it was, you know, President Clinton supported it, uh, all but, but just one, you know, one person in the Senate voted for it. It was widely popular among the ACLU and the, the uh, groups on the, on uh, the religious side, uh, you know, just across the board. Fast forward to the present, RIFRA was, when it was used in the Hobby Lobby case to say that a, a business couldn't be required to uh, uh, pay for abortifacient drugs, uh, and that they had a right under that, suddenly people who were in favor of abortion said, well, what's this RIFRA? It should be, you know, this this shouldn't be. And in fact, the Equality Act, which President Biden has supported and has been introduced in this Congress, uh, which would expand um, uh, LGBT rights and other, other rights, specifically carves out and says that, that this Religious Freedom Restoration Act does not apply anymore to all of these areas. So something that was unanimous just, uh, you know, uh, 20, 29 years ago is suddenly uh, anathema. And you see in, in Indiana where they tried to adopt a law uh, modeled on this RIFRA for the state of Indiana, suddenly they got attacked as uh, advocating for hate. And it's, it's just gotten crazy. You know, back when I was doing this in the 90s, the big issue was if you had equal access for churches to community rooms, to, to, to rent schools after the school day, things like that. And there was kind of an honest debate among those who were strict separationists, saying that you should never have religious things in, in, the, in the schools, and those who said, no, we should have equal access uh, to these spaces. That issue has, has died away. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of equal access for religion, and that's not the issue. Today, where the issue comes up is when you mix that same idea of equal access for religious institutions with the LGBT issue. So you have uh, in California, uh, a school in San Jose says, yeah, Christian groups can come in, but not the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, because their policy for leaders excludes people who are LGBT. And so what what was a consensus around the idea of equality for religion has really been taken off the rails by the debates over abortion and over LGBT, uh, which is a shame because the whole idea of religious liberty is it applies to everybody and everybody's ox gets gored now and then. For example, I remember during the Bush administration, the DEA wanted us to 
do a carve-out to support a legislative carve-out for drug laws. Say, hey, we've got these people coming saying, I want to smoke marijuana, it's my religion, I'm Rastafarian, and it's creating a headache for us. And we said, no, you know, we, religious freedom is for everybody. You can defeat it on a case-by-case basis by saying why it's important to enforce the drug laws, but RIFRA applies to all. So everybody's Ox gets scored. Well, you know, there are things that they care about uh, get at risk for protecting the religious liberty of all. But now it seems that when when someone's interest in abortion or LGBT rights, suddenly religious liberty has to automatically uh, withdraw. And that's and that's wrong. It, it certainly seems against every tenet in our Constitution. It seems uh, against all common sense for those of us that have been around long enough to uh, see a lot of uh, administrations come and go in Washington, D.C. What's happening now is it's not just happening in, the, in America. It's happening around the globe. So this is a, a very concerning time for those who... Uh, especially in America, who have held on to our freedoms, and we felt like we were protected under the law, it seems now that it's uh, if you're a believer in anything that has to do with the Bible, it's almost like you're an enemy of the state. It, that's That's almost the feel, isn't it? Well, it is except that the Supreme Court in in the last 10 years, and especially the last three to five years, has been increasingly... Uh, ruling in favor of religious liberty. So as much as the debate in politics and the debate in in some advocacy circles is sort of skewing against religious liberty, we have a very strong majority on the court in favor of religious liberties. For example, just this summer, uh, uh, the court ruled that a um, uh, state of Maine which has a scholarship program because there are a lot of schools in rural Maine, a lot of towns that don't have their own school district. So you have nowhere to go to school, so the state will give you money to bus to a, a, a nearby public school or to a private school of your choice, unless it's religious, right? So it's so they, crazy. Yeah, but the Supreme Court said, no, you cannot discriminate based on the religious status of the school. As long as they're t- teaching the core curriculum of history, state history, American history, and science and math and all those things, it doesn't matter if they also have a religious perspective to their to their school. Mm. So that, that was a big win. Um, just now the Supreme Court's taken up a case involving a, a creator of a, uh, a wedding uh, uh, site. So you can place where if you get married, you have a, a, a website, and this person will create, uh, this company, 303 Creative, will create a website for your wedding, but they will not do same-sex weddings because they said it's very much our speech. We create a, a a whole little world in the in on the web of you know your wedding and portraying your wedding in a beautiful way, and we can only do that with a wedding that we believe in, and we don't believe that that uh, same-sex marriage is in fact a marriage in our our faith. So that the Supreme Court's taken that case up, uh, and people are are fairly optimistic that that's going to come out. Uh, in favor of, of free speech, uh, especially because just a couple years, just last year, uh, there was a case involving uh, Catholic Social Services in Philadelphia, which had uh, uh, Catholic Social Services was kicked out of the foster care program because they would not do certifications of same-sex couples mm-hmm. or unmarried heterosexual couples. So it was just we only believe in, in people who are in, in uh, a Christian marriage. 
others uh, they would refer them to other agencies that would care for would, would would do the certification so they weren't trying to keep people out they'd say we just can't do it ourselves there are many other agencies that will certify you well the, the city of philadelphia kicked them out wouldn't let them be foster care after 200 years of the catholic church being involved in in foster care in in philadelphia in various ways supreme court and this is interesting unanimously said no, you cannot exclude them uh, uh, because, well, for, for complicated reasons, but the free exercise clause protects, protects you. So we, I think that that unanimous decision was a signal from even the liberal justices saying, hey, we're going to recognize gay marriage, but we want you to accommodate people who are dissenters from that. So the, you, know, you had the case of the baker in, in uh, Colorado, mm-hmm, uh, the right. Baptist cake shop. That was really not decided. It was sent back. You know, it said, well, there's he didn't get a fair shake. So they never really decided the issue of do you get a a, a, a exemption uh, if you have a conscientious objection to to uh, providing this service. So I think that unanimous decision by even the liberals joining them was like, okay, we we want a truce here. We want you know, p- gay people get to be included, but we do not want to exploit exclude people with traditional. Uh, religious beliefs. So the courts are moving in a very good good direction. Uh, the administration, not not so much, and, and the advocacy groups, not so much. And we can talk about that in a minute. Too. Yeah, well, you know, when you think about all of these things having to go all the way to the Supreme Court to find some relief, uh, that really says where we are in this country in the, like the Ninth District Court and every other lower court. Uh, it, it really is a frustrating thing, isn't it, to see these groups. I think of uh, the most recent thing with uh, the coach, Coach Kennedy out in Oregon, who had to have his case taken all the way to the Supreme Court, and it's years in the process. So right. do, you, do you see any uh, a change, or do you think there's going to be a Supreme Court ruling that would say this, is, w- w- this needs to be knocked down and the tensions need to be off, or is this fight, Eric, that you've been fighting and seeing in your position, I know you were with the DOJ, uh, worked with the DOJ for a long time. Uh, do you see any chance that there could be any like kickback where they say this, the temperature's got to go down on this argument? Yeah, yeah I think it, w- it will, particularly because you have a, a six justice ma- a majority now with Amy Coney Barrett uh, coming on that's very strong on religious freedom. And uh, so I think the lower courts are going to know that, okay, this is not just a swing thing where you get five justices one way, Justice Kennedy, we can pick him off and he'll go the other way. There's a clear message coming out. It's like, no, we're going to protect religious freedom. And the lower courts don't like to be reversed. So they are going to, they're going to, to slowly fall in line. So I, I, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic on, on, that, on that score. How long do you think that process uh, in order for it to get back to any semblance of this kind of, uh, let's say, working together, do you think that that uh, what you described with regards to religious freedom? You know, you talked about we all um, we all have our oxen, and <laughs> sometimes they're going to they're going to go to the butcher block when we didn't want them to. When you yeah. when you uh, look at our country the way we used to work together across the aisle, do you see that kind of working together happening anytime soon? You know that's a that's a deep cultural question, and there are all kinds of things uh, impacting that, from 
social media to political personalities to uh, just the way that redistricting has created more extremes, you know, more extremes on the right and left within safe districts, which leads to rhetoric being increased. So uh, on, on that score, I don't really have 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 an, an answer, though. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, if, if you go down from the courts to looking at what the administration is doing, there are a lot of things going on that are really pushing back against religious freedom in ways that I, I think are, are, are really unfortunate. And again, they, they almost all trace back to these views about uh, these culture war issues. So you have uh, in Alabama, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the Eagle Forum had supported a bill in Alabama uh, banning uh, transgender surgeries and drugs for minors. Uh, and, that, and this passed. Well, DOJ brought a lawsuit DOJ brought this after I left. I retired from DOJ in uh, uh, last year in 2021, so it was after I was there. But uh, they sued the state of Alabama, but then they issued a subpoena to Eagle Form saying, we want to get anything you've done in the last five years involving the transgender issue, because they're trying to you know, pin on them or find, you know, find some dirt or whatever of them trying to influence the legislature. This is Eagle Form Alabama is one paid, paid uh, uh, officer and lots of volunteers. Mm -hmm. It's not a big operation. And so DOJ is going after him. Fortunately, uh, a number of state attorney generals and about 40 different, different activists, um, uh, uh, advocacy groups, excuse me, not activist groups, advocacy groups uh, on legal issues filed briefs on their support. Uh, in, on their side in, in federal court on a uh, motion to stop the DOJ uh, subpoena. That was heard on October 14th, and they're, they're awaiting a decision now. But that's an example of, you know, an issue where people can, can disagree, you know, on, on, on transgender. And if someone disagrees with you, what's the response? You know, you go after them with a, with a, with a subpoena, with an 800-pound gorilla of the DOJ going after a small <laughs> group. And that's just that's not that's not the America I know, and that's not the DOJ that that I knew and worked for for 19 years. I know it. I think it's changed, and we're going to talk more about that in our next segment. Eric Treen, formerly from the DOJ, an attorney and one who is very much an advocate for religious freedom, is our guest. We'll be back with Eric in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. With me right now is Eric Treen. He is senior counsel, and he is with the Catholic University of America, the Columbus School of Law, and a former DOJ worker. Work? Did you say 19 years? Is that what you yes, said? Yes, I, I was special counsel on religious discrimination there for 19 years. You know, this whole thing is such a, a, a fascinating thing to me to watch as a person who has loved the Lord for, uh, my goodness, I'm... I'm uh, heading towards 60 years of being a believer, and all I've ever heard about and known about growing up in America is that we're free from a standpoint of religious freedom, and we're seeing and living in a time right now where that has 
it's definitely now at risk and in many areas it's like it's not present and that's concerning i know to everyone who is a believer and who loves this country uh one of the things eric that i'd love for you to weigh in on we've seen so many things happen this last two years since president biden became uh the leader of our country um, and it, from day one uh, things went a direction that was opposite from where we had been going, not only in the previous administration, but in some ways where we'd been going for, for hundreds of years uh, in terms of sure. uh, our, our views towards sexuality and all the things that seemingly have come right up to the top. What do you see happening next week uh, with, with the potential of these midterm elections changing the climate in our country? What do you see happening? Yeah, well, one thing that – well, if there is not a change in parties, uh, one thing that's still a priority of the Congress and, and President Biden is the Equality Act, which would expand the all the federal non-discrimination laws to include uh, LGBT uh, along with race and sex and, and religion. And what's more is they would expand the places it would apply. For example, the public accommodations now prevents – uh, discrimination in restaurants, movie theaters, motels, and such. You know, it's growing out of the, the, the 60s with the segregated lunch counters and such. But the Equality Act would expand that to include LGBT, but would also incla- in, in, expand it to include any kind of social hall or common area. So if a church had a fellowship hall that it, it rented out for parties or events and such, uh, it would not be able to exclude uh, uh, you know, an LGBT wedding. Now, the sanctuary itself, I think you have a good argument that under the Constitution, that's 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 fundamental. But other areas of the church uh, might might be forced to be uh, to be uh, rented out uh, without regard to LGBT status and and so forth. So that's that's something that's particularly concerning. Um, From a legal if, standpoint, Eric, how can that yeah. be since that fellowship hall is still under the operation of and the leadership and the maintenance by uh, that local church, which has its bylaws, which has its mission statements? How is it legally possible that they could come in and override conviction and, uh, m- and make you compromise right. on your faith? How can they do that? Well, they can they can certainly pass the law. The question is, does the Constitution provide protection? And the more that your fellowship hall is used for religious purposes, for example, my church, I, I go to a large uh, Presbyterian uh, church, we will rent our fellowship hall only out to organizations that we determine are consistent with our uh, with our beliefs. So there are various charities that will have events there that we, we make sure, are they Christian charities? Are they they uh, in accord with evangelical principles and so forth? So that way it's part of our ministry. But as soon as you start renting it out to, say, there's a, a community group in the area, like the, the, the Civic Association, you want to be a good neighbor and you, you rent it out to them, or you rent it out to a uh, a uh, a group that does uh, dance classes for kids, which, you know, a nice, wholesome activity. Well, once you do that, if this law were to pass, uh, you are on the hook uh, under with you know, federal government coming after you if you were to exclude an LGBT wedding from, from your fellowship hall. So it's, uh, 
it's something churches need to be careful. They need to talk to their attorneys and think through, you know, to what degree are we taking something as part of a religious mission and using it to raise revenue or to be a good neighbor and, and you know, make it available to uh, groups in the, in, the, in the community and so forth that may not be directly connected to our, to our faith. So it's an area that's, that's fraught with peril for churches. It sounds like it. And another thing that I would wonder, is it uh, going to be something in the future that churches can rent out schools for Sunday meetings? Do you see that continuing? Yeah, that's been increasing. So the Supreme Court said that you need to treat religious uses the same as non-religious. So there's a case in, in New York where a Good News Club, which is a, you know, a child evangelism fellowship, runs these around the country, uh, sort of a, a Sunday school type format for, for elementary kids in an after school setting. And the Supreme Court said you have to let them use the school on the same basis as the 4-H club and the Boy Scouts and other 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 clubs and so forth. Uh, most jurisdictions do rent to churches. They like getting the getting the uh, the revenues. Uh, New York has been resistant. New York City, in, and there's a long running case there. But uh, for the most part, uh, you have to treat religious uses. Equally, in New York, it just came down to some people said, "Well, worship is different from uh, lecturing from a Christian perspective," and so that it got kind of caught up in in that issue. But for most places, churches are are allowed to rent property on an equal basis mm-hmm. with others. I don't see that changing. Where I do see it changing is you may have towns that say we'll allow in churches, but not ones that engage in hate speech and being anti-LGBT. We consider hate, you know, so that starts to come in, but then the that raises additional free speech questions. But we did see that in California, where, where the San Jose schools tried to keep out fellowship of Christian athletes. Fortunately, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals just ruled and overruled a lower court judge, which allowed the discrimination against fellowship of Christian athletes to continue. The Ninth Circuit corrected that and said, no, you cannot exclude them because you don't like their policies on, on hiring leaders. So leaders of of, of uh, fellowships of Christian af- fellowship of Christian athletes uh, have to be uh, celibate or or only engage in sex in in, in the context of marriage. Mm-hmm. Now this is going to be a big uh, election. Many people believe that it's the most important election in our lifetime, and it, it may well prove out to be that way if there is an overturning. Uh, we know the Senate right now is basically at a deadlock. It's fifty-fifty already. Yet it seems that everyone is saying that the House is going to turn to a different direction while, while the Senate may not. Do you have thoughts on—I uh, know this was—it's all speculation, but first of all, do you have thoughts on uh, what, what will happen next Tuesday night? And then secondly, I would love your thoughts on America's voting integrity right now. How, how prepared do you think America is from a standpoint of having an election that is really an honest election? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the main difference you're going to see, is even if it, it flips, you're not going to have a, 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 a veto-proof majority. So uh, Republicans won't be able to get through everything they want and because of the veto and the filibuster, because uh, they need 60 votes to break the filibuster. And uh, but what you will see a difference is some oversight. So just as you you have Congress now, you know, doing their oversight on the January 6th thing, you know, you can do oversight on 
on various things that the administration is doing. So there's a lot been going on under the radar through executive order in the area of religious liberty. For example, the um, uh, Department of Education under President Trump had had issued a rule saying that um, uh, uh, public universities couldn't uh, uh, discriminate against Christian student groups. So Christian student groups that had a requirement that their leaders be Christians and adhere to a statement of faith could not be excluded because, uh, you know, if you go to a, 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 a college campus, there are all kinds of student clubs and there's a, you know, the, uh, uh, the progressive students club and it's, it's led by a progressive and the environmentalist club and that's led by an environmentalist. And then you have the Christian club and then they suddenly say, well, no, you know, you can't say that your, your leaders have to be Christians or Christians who follow a particular statement of faith. That's discrimination. And the Christian group says, no, that's not discrimination. You're, you're discriminating against me by saying we can't have our club because we want to have a authentic Christian leader. And this is actually something where the courts have come down the other way. We had a case uh, when I was at DOJ that we got involved in in, in, in Iowa uh, called the Blink case, uh, Business Leaders in Christ uh, versus University of Iowa. And there, um, the student group said, look, we don't discriminate against LGBT students. They can come and be members of our group. We do ask that our leaders, uh, and leaders could be, you know, self-identify as, as gay orientation, but they have to agree to abide by traditional Christian teachings, which is that they believe that sex is between one man and one woman, that it's, 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 it's not engaged in outside of marriage. And, it, you know, that we're going to impose that belief on our leaders because that's what a religious organization is, is mm-hmm. we, we have leaders who ascribe to our belief. And the, and, and the University of Iowa tried to exclude them, kick them off campus. A uh, federal court came in and said, no, you, you, you have to let them be authentically uh, a Christian if you're allowing in all these other groups uh, that can hire their lead, you know, pick their leaders based on belief in the organization's uh, core principles. So, Anyway, the Trump administration issued a rule protecting that, and the Biden administration repealed that. Um, they're also like the Trump administration put in place an adoption rule that said that that, that Christian, uh, well, any relig- a religious uh, adoption agency, the one that that, that brought this to everyone's attention was Bethany uh, Christian Services, which is which is of course a Christian group, but it applied to any religious group that. Uh, if it had a religious scruple about placing children in same-sex couples, it did not have to do so because uh, there was a choice. You know, if, if you're going to be a, a uh, authorized by HHS to 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 uh, do these adoptions, uh, you 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 could you had to follow their their rules. But but this uh, uh, Department of Health and Human Services rule said no, a Christian group. Does not have to serve people who, who are um, you know same-sex couples. That they can go to go somewhere else. Well, the the Biden administration early on repealed that rule. So again, there's sort of rule after rule after rule. There's also a religious contractors rule for Department of Labor saying that uh, religious contractors don't lose their exemption. Uh, there's an exemption in the in the uh, employment laws saying that a a like a, a a church can require its employees to be members of the church. And so forth. That if you're a contractor with the federal government and you're a religious organization, you you forfeit that ability to hire based on religion. Again, so there, 
there are sort of rule after rule after rule that are uh, have been been rolled back. So I think uh, with oversight, uh, there could be pressure brought to bear to reinstate those those rules or to to codify them. If the House uh, goes red this uh, next week, do you think that there would be enough uh, power in that alone that uh, could be dissuading some of these? Basically, what are your your calling is just executive orders uh, that yeah, are well, so clear. Sunlight to things, so so a lot of the stuff can go on and people don't really notice. But if if you're brought up to you're, you're head of an agency and you're brought up to Congress to testify and, and you're you're being appropriated, your funds are being appropriated by that committee, uh, you're going to think twice and be more respectful and say, okay, are there ways uh-huh. we can compromise? Because you don't want Congress slashing your agency's funding. So, yeah, there's, there are a lot of ways short of passing legislation. So, you know, comprehensive legislation that's going to protect religious liberty, could will that go through the Congress? No. But all these other ways in which laws and regulations are made uh, it will be affected. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really a, a hope that a lot of people can put into prayer for this next week, that uh, maybe there could be some real positive uh, force going toward uh, what would be future crazy decisions that seem to be coming down on a regular basis. Before we take a break, I would like to get your thought on, on the DOJ itself. That's been something that I've heard a lot of people who are making statements, they're making statements from Congress right now that if the House turns around, there's actually going to be an investigation done on the DOJ itself. Uh, As being a former member of the DOJ, what do you think that kind of a a thought would have on these current members like Merrick Garland? Yeah, well, I mean, I did mention the idea of going after the Eagle Forum of Alabama. And, for example, uh, after the abortion decision... There have been something like 150 churches and um, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life pregnancy, crisis pregnancy centers that have been vandalized and, and attacked. Uh, and the DOJ has not done any prosecutions in those cases uh, under the FACE Act. And, and the FACE Act is the Federal Action, Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which is designed to to protect uh, you know, abortion bomb, uh, clinic bombings and so forth. But the language is quite broad and says any facility that's targeted because it offers pregnancy-related services, and certainly a crisis pregnancy center falls within that. But we have you know, 150-plus attacks and yet silence uh, from DOJ on, on, on prosecuting those. At the same time, there have been a couple high-profile cases of, of people who were like there, there was some man in front of a, a, a abortion clinic protesting, and he alleges uh, one of the, the the pro-abortion protesters you know, shoved his son, and he shoved the guy back. And then the police came to him at, at, in the morning, and FBI raided his house and and took him off uh, to jail. You know, uh, so a lot of heavy-handed tactics going on on that side, but nothing on the other side to investigate these uh, these attacks on crisis pregnancy centers. Mm. 
It seems one-sided when that happens like that, and that is unfortunate. I'm talking to Eric Treen today. He is with the Catholic University, an adjunct professor, formerly with the DOJ. And when we come back from this break, I'm going to be asking him about COVID and the vaccination. There's a lot of people who are still on the edge about all things vaccination-wise. And so we'll be back with Eric Treen in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. And you're on The Shepherd. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. So nice to have on the line with me, Eric Treen from the Catholic University. He's an adjunct professor. He is also one who really fights for our religious freedoms. He is a fellow at the Center for Religious Liberty. And uh, my goodness, we are just praying that we can see our liberties that we've enjoyed. I've enjoyed my entire lifetime. I'm praying that those stay around for my grandchildren and my children and uh, their children. We're, we're just wanting to see this great country go forward. Uh, and I appreciate the fight, sir, that you have done for years and for when you were serving with the DOJ and now as a professor of law and you're watching over, speaking out against, speaking toward things that are so important. Thank you for what you've done, Eric. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, for keeping the conversation going on, on these critical issues. Well, you know, one of the conversations that everyone continues to have is the jab. And we know that this thing called COVID was a reality. It caught a lot of people by surprise. And then I think everyone was caught by surprise again when we began to realize that it was uh, the, the whole presence of this sickness, this disease uh, that went forward across the world, uh, was being used and commandeered the way that it was. And that is in itself a concerning thing to see how that uh, this thing was just grabbed and and really used as a pawn uh, for a lot of uh, things that had to do with control over people's freedoms. And many people to this day, unless I've, unless I'm wrong on it, their jobs are still somewhat on the line because of their religious feelings that they do not want to have the jab. Would that be the case? Well, it's not like it was at first. I mean, there was, you know, the, the, the Department of Labor had a, issued a rule requiring all, all businesses above a certain size to, yeah. to require the vaccine, and then the uh, the courts said, "Well, no, no, the uh, you're going beyond your power. You don't you don't have the power to uh, impose that on private businesses." Uh, then the administration uh, 
imposed this through to the military and, and in other areas. And there you've got the protection of that law I was talking about in the first segment, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So federal actions uh, must be uh, uh, balanced. So if there's something that burdens someone's religious freedom, it doesn't mean you win, but at least the government has to show it has a compelling interest pursued through the least restrictive means. And that gives you some power as a federal employee or a soldier to say, you know, uh, I can work in my job in, you know, in a remote location or I can go to this kind of duty. Uh, and there are other ways the government can achieve its objective or it can achieve, you know, 95% herd immunity, even if they don't vaccinate me. And, but it puts the burden on the government to show these things and doesn't mean the auto government automatically wins. Um, it doesn't mean you win if, with a religious obje objection, but at least it gives you the ability to assert why your your uh, your religion is being infringed, and and makes the government show why it it, it has no choice but to in, impinge on your religion. You know, a lot of the uh, news stories that came out about this. Uh, these limitations and and the potential firings of soldiers, and then there were groups of hospital workers that were going to be released, and of course there was a great outcry against that because these were our first responders who we were thanking during the uh, the right, siege right. of of COVID, and now we're letting them go because they are are feeling that they do not want to get that that vaccination. Uh, it yeah. seems oh, I'm see I'm hearing a lot of like changes that are are happening in companies like Disney, the Disney Cruise Line. They wouldn't let you on unless you could show a proof of a vaccination. Yeah. And now I, I understand they have quietly reversed that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in, in, since the vaccines come out, that's that's become the center of conversation. But let's not forget all the onerous. Uh, 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 gathering restrictions that were imposed on places of worship that you know in, in Nevada you could uh, they limited churches to 50 people regardless of size so you yeah. could have a thousand person sanctuary but you could only have 50 people in it while casinos were allowed to have 50 percent capacity or you go to San Francisco where they said you can have one person come to a church like for a confession or counseling uh, so you had a cathedral it was allowed to have one person. Even a nail salon could have people with six-foot distancing, and you could get like six people in a nail salon. But you could only have one person come into a church. Oh, you know, absolutely ludicrous stuff. And this ended the Supreme Court, especially with with Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed, it ended up being the five-four decision in the uh, uh, Brooklyn Archdiocese versus uh, Cuomo case. Uh, held that you can't favor non-religious assemblies over religious assemblies. So casino, yeah, casinos may be important to the to the economy in Nevada, but you know what? Churches are important to the, the religious people there. Or, you know, in, in Brooklyn, you can have laundromats open and bicycle repair shops. And uh, Justice Gorsuch said, who knew that, you know, uh, public health and secular convenience went, went together so perfectly? You know, people want their bikes repaired, but they don't care about people going to church. The example I always use is uh, the laundromats, right? So everybody assumes if you're secular-minded, a laundromat has to stay open. You've got to have a laundromat. Well, a religious person might say, you know what? I'll wash my clothes out in the sink if you let me go to church. But no one thinks of that if you're not religious. And that's what's going on here is this value judgment being made by the government that 
Yeah, bike repair shops, of course, those are critical, but a church, that's optional. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, recreation. It's not central. When the religious people say, no, no, going to church is central. I, I will give up many, many other things before I will give up going to church. Oh, I tell you, <laughs> I believe that what I've heard out of California during all of this last couple of years to be some of the most surprising news stories I've ever heard of pastors either being arrested or the, the, the things, the threats that were made, uh, lawsuits brought against churches. It, it's really scary when you think about all that's gone on. And yet it yeah. seems that a lot of our populace in America have awakened to this issue. And I would wonder, Eric, do you believe that we could ever look at a 2020 type of, of uh, kind of lockdown again? Do you believe that that still is a possibility? Or would do you believe Americans would say, uh-uh, we're not going to do it again? Yeah, I, I tend to think we'd resist. I, I have a, a young woman, my, my Bible study, whose who's mom is in China. And the things that, you know, in her town of a million people, two people were positive for COVID. So her mom has been locked down for a month surviving on on food deliveries through the mail um she has to go out daily to the curb and have someone in a in a, in a hazmat suit come and and swab her nose to see if she's got it i mean that, that kind of infringement uh you know is going on in places like china and you know we just can't allow it here uh there's always you know you, you know we're always two generations away or one generation away from from uh you know totalitarianism so mm-hmm. you know we've got to got to got to watch watch how things things progress but i think the american spirit would not allow that kind of thing to happen here i would but like to think that yeah aware of it. I'm a pray, I'm praying that our days of lockdown are gone forever. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, let's go for just a moment. We have got um, two more questions that I'm hoping to get in. Yeah, One sure. would be about parents' rights. Uh, in Florida, there are cases going on right now where the school systems yeah. have uh, have really gone way beyond what their uh, authority should be, and uh, are taking things away from parents and the rights that they have over their children. What do you see happening in 2023 in the area yeah, well, of parental rights? Yeah, well, there's a great case in, uh, in federal court in Pennsylvania. So if a first-grade teacher took it upon herself uh, to teach her first-grade ch- uh, students about uh, transgenderism, saying that you know the, the, the gender your parents tell you are may or may not be your gender, uh, just all these things that would confuse a poor first grader. Turns out the reason she's doing it, she has a first grader herself who is transgender, and she's allowing the child to to, to you know choose choose uh, choose the own it, its own uh, gender. Um, uh, but uh, parents were outraged by this. Uh, they they sued, saying this this violates parental rights. Uh, school asked the court to dismiss this, but just last week a federal court said no. Parents have fundamental rights here. We're going to, you know, this case needs to proceed. And so, you know, things that are just, you know, crazy. The idea that if a first grade child uh, is going to have things thrown at them that will confuse them about, you know, who they are and, uh, you know, interfere with not only what their parents are teaching about their religion, but what what the realities of their body are. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, to see that parents have no rights in this is 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 is, 
would have been horrible, but the, the court uh, uh, wisely said, no, no, parents have rights here, and this case will proceed. Well, I'm praying for that. Uh, you know, there are cases, like I said, in Florida that uh, have everyone looking right now, and uh, the last word I heard, some of them, especially the one in Leon County, Florida, uh, is uh, it's 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 going to be drug on yeah. probably until next well, year. You know, it's interesting. We've kind of reached a point in our, our country where we realize that we don't want schools teaching religious doctrine. Or, you know, you don't want back when the when the Supreme Court struck down school prayer, a lot of people Christians were upset, saying you know they're taking God out of the school. But when you think about it. Do you, whose religion will it be? If you have a Jehovah's Witness uh, teacher, she's going to be teaching Jehovah's Witness uh, doctrine, or, or, or a Mormon, or a particular kind of Christian, or, or, or even a, like a, a Wiccan or whatever. So we realize that, you know, we, can, we shouldn't tell kids they can't have Bibles in school. We can read uh, the Bible as literature and other things, but we don't want teachers teaching religion. That that's, in our pluralistic society, that's, that's just not, that's not freedom. On the other hand, suddenly in recent years, we have all kinds of worldviews being thrust into the schools like transgenderism and, and LGBT. You can be binary. You can pick whatever you want to be. And that's a worldview every bit as religious as, as, as you know, a religious uh, view yeah, of the exactly, world. Exactly, sure. And so, but, but, but on the, uh, progressives think, oh, it's perfectly appropriate to have these, but we wouldn't want one sniff of someone teaching the Bible in school. And I think we have to come to a realization that we need, we, we don't want to use the schools to force any ideolo- ideology, religious or non-religious, on, on children. Just let them learn, let their, you know, help their parents, give them basic uh, uh, you know, pride in their country and 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 basic uh, morals of of getting along, and you know we'll take care of the religious doctrine. Wow, one minute left. Tell me what you think is coming up on the calendar for religious freedom in the next year. What's going to be the big battle? Yeah, it's. I, I hate to be a broken record and 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 talk about the LGBT thing, but that is where the friction points are between religious liberty and. Those who are are you know advocating for LGBT rights and so forth. Mm-hmm. So there, there's just a lot of friction points. Whether it's it's you know uh, after the uh, main school choice decision, the they said you you can't discriminate against religious schools. Now the attorney general of Maine is saying ah, but we're going to we won't discriminate against religious schools. We're going to block all schools that discriminate against LGBT students, and we're going to go at them that way. Uh, so that's very much uh, a, a present issue. Same thing with the Supreme Court's 303 creative decision. That's the one about the web uh, designer, the wedding web mm-hmm. site designer. Uh, that's one to watch. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be picking on the LGBT people, but that's that's where the friction points are with the uh, with uh, religious liberty right now. Well, there's a lot to watch. There's a lot to keep up with, and I'm glad that you're doing it. Eric Treen, my guest today, thank you for being with us, offering your years of wisdom and experience in this area. And we all know that as believers, religious freedom is something that we've enjoyed, and it's certainly something we want to keep as long as we can. And I I thank you for the wonderful work you've done, sir. Great. Well, thank you. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Eric Treen, my guest today. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd. 